Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at somebody and let them know what feels good in the house of the Lord today. Amen, amen, amen. Can you guys hear me all right? You guys hear me all right? I was kind of a little nervous driving on the way down because uh, it's Wednesday. And uh, sometimes people think that God takes off on Wednesday. And I'm uh, walking into the house of the Lord. It was just so beautiful just to feel such a sweet presence of God in this place. I'm just believing God's going to do some things tonight. How many of you guys are ready to receive something from the Lord? Amen. Amen. I give honor uh, to your pastor, the leadership of this church. Uh, you can't be more uh, grateful or thankful or appreciative of apostolic leadership. Um, they, they, they really, they, they, they embody the essence of the church. I mean, I always tell people when you look at the book of Revelations, and God begins to speak to John. He begins to tell him, I want you to write to the angel of the church, the angel of the church in Ephesus, the angel of the church here, and the angel of the church there. I realize he doesn't really say, I want you to address the church. He says, I want you to address the angel of the church, because the spiritual temperament of that leader would reflect the temperament of that church. And I'm thankful for apostolic leadership. Amen. Uh, this doesn't happen by accident, but it's leadership that makes this happen. I'm so, so thankful for that. I give honor to my pastor in his absence. Uh, without him, I wouldn't be here, and I'm just so thankful for his influence in my life. Uh, if you can open up your Bibles to Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23. Amen. When you're there, you can say amen. Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. One more scripture. If you can turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that, he, that shall he also reap. For he who sows in the flesh will also reap in the flesh, reap, reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit of the spirit reap everlasting life. I just want to talk to you guys, uh, giving purpose to my darkness. Uh, giving purpose to my darkness. I, I don't really know. I don't really know a lot of you guys. I know some of you guys, a lot of familiar faces, and most of you guys don't know me. Amen. But uh, well, the beautiful thing about being in an apostolic church is that sometimes when God begins to speak, there's just this unity that sweeps in the room. Uh, and even though there's a lack of familiarity with each other, there's a familiarity with the presence of God. Amen. I believe God wants to speak to you guys as a whole. Is that all right? Is that all right? Can you set your Bibles down? And I just want you to lift both your hands and I just want you to begin to tell God, God, whatever you want to say to me, that's that's what I want to hear. God, I want to hear exactly what you say, what you want to say to me. I want to respond to your word. I want you to have your way in my life. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I take complete dominion and authority over the service. Father, I loose your voice to speak with clarity. God, loose my tongue, God, to be an oracle of the Lord. God, I pray right now, God, that there would be peace to enter this room, God, for every disturbed spirit. 
Father, I pray, God, that you would loose, God, angels in this room to begin to perform your work, God. God, you've thrusted this church into a season of harvest and revival. I pray, God, that everything that needs to be shaken, God, to allow us to be loosed in your presence, shake us now. Father, I pray, God, that you would loose us, God, from, God, small-mindedness, God, from contentment, God, from lethargic spirits, God. But allow us to begin to walk in the Holy Ghost as you want us, church. Why don't you lift your voice and pray for me, pray with me for a little bit. God, right now I'm thanking you, God, that you're not only performing miracles, signs, and wonders, but that you're allowing deliverance to enter the house tonight, God. I thank you for performing your will, your work, and your wonder. And we won't fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor as we receive the joy of salvation. And one more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? And if you have a little boldness in you, can you just shout the name of Jesus? That was a little weak. Why don't you go ahead and lift your voice and shout the name of Jesus? Amen, amen, amen. High five three people. Let them know there's purpose. There's purpose to your darkness. There's, there's purpose to your darkness. Amen. You may be seated. David in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is found in a very interesting situation. Uh, this is the account of Ziglag when uh, David is coming back from prior engagements. and has found that everything that he has has been destroyed and taken away. And uh, it is here that uh, the story begins to play out and we begin to see uh, really the true heart of David. And David, in, later within this text in verse 6, would begin to strengthen himself in the Lord. Now, I just kind of want to give you an understanding of, of, of who this man is, because David is the man that's after God's own heart. He's, he's the psalmist. He's the one who would begin to write and pen such amazing verses that even today catch our attention. And, and even so much that in Psalm chapter 8, he would begin to quote such a famous song and that he would say, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. He would begin to say, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. But then David kind of takes a pause within the Psalms, and then he begins to say, what, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He says, when, when I consider, when I begin to consider the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what, what, what is man that thou art mindful of him. I just want to set this from the on start that, that a lot of times praise is predicated upon perspective. There's a lot of people that walk into the house of God even tonight that are really looking to be entertained before they ever lift their hands, before they ever clap their hands, before they ever open up their mouth. But David had to help us understand that it was when I begin to consider the God in which I was serving, it loosed me to understand what is man that thou art mindful of him. There, there's some people that clap not because they feel good or they, they, they feel the anointing, but as they begin to reflect on where they're coming from, there's a consideration that takes place and it says, what is man that you're mindful of, of me? I believe David began to consider his own frailty and he began to acknowledge the condition of his soul and the condition of his person and he had to say what is 
what is man that thou art mindful of him. David had an understanding that a lot of us don't seem to have, that God doesn't always work in the places or in the things that we're most comfortable in. I, I believe he, he began to reflect as he's thinking about the moon and, and the stars and that which God has ordained. And then he begins to look at the creation of man. And as he's examining the creation of man, he begins to see that although God had the opportunity to pull from the celestial stars or the vastness of the sea or begin to examine his vast expanse of the universe but God skipped all of that and decided to allow water to come up from the ground make a mess and fill it with his spirit can I tell you God doesn't always work with that which is perfect and has no blemishes but sometimes God looks for a mess I'm not talking to a lot of you in this place, but I'm talking about five or six of you that understand that he didn't come looking for me because I had it all together, but he found a mess that he was willing to breathe life into. David begins to say, what, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Here in, in chapter 30, verse 6, this famous verse of scripture quoted among so many Christians, but David encouraged or strengthened himself in the Lord. I want to give you a little understanding here tonight that the reason why David strengthened himself in the Lord is because David had nothing else to strengthen himself in. Can I tell you that sometimes God has to begin to position us to understand where true strength lies from because we didn't understand how to act right when we had the money. Hello, somebody. We didn't know how to act right when we had the job, so God had to strip some stuff from us to understand that your strength doesn't come from that relationship that failed over and over again. Some There's a single mom in this place that understand that when I was looking for somebody, I didn't find them, but I found my strength in the Lord. It was when everything was stripped that I found I found my strength. David, stripped of all his possession, begins to understand where his, his strength came from. I want you to understand that I'm, I'm not just preaching to a crowd right now. I, I, don't, I don't know you per se. I, I don't, I've never really talked to many of you guys, and, and I don't really understand your circumstance. But I want, you to, I want you to know what the Holy Ghost told me before I came here, that God wanted me to help you realize that there was purpose within the season that you walked into. There's been some of you guys that have been walking in almost a perpetual darkness. It just seems that things are going wrong and wrong over and over again. And I'm really not here to preach a message, but I'm here to declare the ending of a season and a beginning of another season hear me I'm, I'm not here just to talk cute some of you guys don't believe it you've been walking in darkness so long that you can't believe that you can live life in the glory of God but God's here to declare to you that there's purpose in your darkness you didn't walk through what you had to walk through for no reason but I was doing something in the darkness throw up Psalms chapter 23 for me Psalms chapter 23, the scripture that we read, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall 
not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Stop right there. I want you to understand that David is a shepherd and he's beginning to acknowledge that not only is he a shepherd, but he is actually the sheep of God's pastures. He is he, he is actually an under shepherd to the great shepherd. And he begins to reflect on his experience with walking with the Lord. And he begins to talk about how the Lord is his shepherd and he goes through seasons where he doesn't lack or he doesn't want. He begins to talk about lying down in green pastures. He begins to talk about being by still waters. He begins to talk about his soul being restored. He begins to talk about being led in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But by the time we get to verse 4, there seems to be a transition that takes place. Because verse 4 begins to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Before he was walking through green pastures, before he was by still waters. But can I tell you, it's not till you get to laughter, verse 4, that you find the anointing. He said, You anoint my head with oil. It's not till laughter, verse 4, that goodness and mercy follows. There's some stuff you can't find in green pastures, but you got to walk through. I'm not talking to a lot of y'all, but somebody that knows that the oil was found when I went in the valley, that goodness and mercy. He doesn't stop there. He says, listen, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I found dominion when I walked through the sickness. I found dominion when I walked through the divorce. I found dominion when I walked through the brokenness. The valley loosed what the pastors could not. I wish you'd clap your hands in this place. Come on, you just think I'm preaching cute, but there's someone here that they've been walking through a season. They've been walking through a season, and God's trying to give you purpose in your darkness. The reason why you had to go through what you went through is because the oil wasn't found in the crowd, so I had to take you apart. The anointing wasn't found in the public, so I had to pull you private, but you found something in the valley. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. Could you imagine walking through a valley, having to go through the shadow of death and never really experiencing everything that God wanted to give you? Can I tell you that it's only a shadow of death? But I personally believe that the shadow isn't really what dismayed David. I actually tend to believe that the shadow encouraged David. Psalms 91 puts it this way. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What you thought was trying to kill you was just bringing you closer to his glory. What you thought was going to destroy you was just bringing you closer to his presence. I kind of tend to believe that it was the shadow that gave David hope. That if I'm interacting with the shadow, sooner or later I'll experience the person. (laughs) I don't don't know you, but, 
but I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost that 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 your season of darkness is coming to an end that your season of darkness is about to be closed and you might have heard that a lot of times but I want you to hear me that sometimes we can become so discouraged with the darkness that we're not willing to approach the light even when it appears Scripture says that he, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. <laughs> he was the, the light, the light that shines in the darkness. The, the, the same light that the darkness could not comprehend. He was, he was that light, but they had walked in darkness so long that they became comfortable with the darkness that they refrained from the light. <laughs> You've been going through hell so long that when God finally begins to tell you a breakthrough is coming, you can't believe it. That when pastor tells you the miracle is coming, you can't believe it because you become comfortable in the darkness. I'm talking to a church that's walked through some stuff. Amen. I'm talking to a body of people that's gone through some stuff. Can I tell you, I'm just going to be playing. I, it's my first time here. I really don't have much to lose. Amen. If I'm out of order, your pastor will sit me down. But, but, but can I tell you that when I walked in this place, what I could feel was, was that there was just such unity amongst this body. And this unity that you feel doesn't happen by mistake. There's, it's a group of people that's had to go through some stuff. They've had to walk through some turmoil and trials together. And other people decided to walk out because the valley wasn't comfortable. And I'm telling this body of believer that you've had to go through hell but don't get comfortable with hell because light is on the way your season of darkness is coming to an end and God's saying there was purpose there was purpose there was purpose in the valley just want you to lift your hands in this place. I just feel like I'm coming against a spirit of doubt. Some of you guys, you've been, you feel like you've been hurt or offended by God because he didn't come through when you wanted him to. But God's saying, I'm trying to release light in your darkness right now. I'm trying to give you purpose in what you had to walk through all across this building. Open up your mouth if you have the Holy Ghost. I just want you to speak in tongues for a little bit. I just want you to begin to release that light. You're not always going to have to go through that depression you're not always gonna have to deal with those thoughts but there's light getting ready to approach the darkness come on open up your mouth all across the room open up your mouth and begin to talk to him open up your mouth and begin to exercise faith you've been walking through it you were faithful to it but God's saying your season of darkness is coming through an end it's time to step into the light what family am I talking to that you've been walking through hell and high water and you don't know what to do or where to turn but God's saying I'm about to release light I'm about to release light because there was purpose in the clap your hands unto the Lord clap your hands unto the Lord I just want you to give God a shout of praise feel like God's wanting to lose faith in the atmosphere. Why don't you give God a shout of praise? Open up your mouth and give God a shout of praise. God's wanting to lose faith in this atmosphere. God's wanting to send angels back to the same home that you've been walking in darkness. And God is wanting to lose faith right now. You may be seated.
You may be seated. Galatians chapter 6. Paul is admonishing the church in Galatia and telling them, he says, listen, I don't want you to be deceived. God is not mocked. Look at someone and tell them God's not mocked. He says, listen, I don't want you to be deceived because deception will produce discouragement. He's saying, listen, I don't, I don't want you to get deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that, he will also, that shall he also reap. You have to understand that that some seeds just take a little longer to mature. That, that, that there's some seeds that they just have to go a little deeper to bring about fruit. And I, I want to help you here because, because it's not that God forgot you in the darkness. It's that he realized that if I'm going to allow you to bear forth fruit but still have strong roots, I have to bury you a little deeper than the surface. I have to take you a little further into the darkness than you want to go. It's not always comfortable, but I want to encourage you that God's not mocked. That whatsoever, that whatsoever, it didn't matter if it was your time or it was your money, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also be. Can I tell you that God doesn't keep bad records that he's not at the place where he's forgotten about you. They were talking about miracles occurred here Sunday, but I'm telling you, there's also people that got prayed for and walked out and nothing happened. And you're discouraged, asking, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. God's just bearing you a little deeper so that when you bear forth fruit, you'll be able to sustain what he gives you. There's also some of us that, that we, we've gone through the sowing process, but we're acting more like gleaners than reapers. Can I tell you that in the Old Testament that they had gleaners and they had reapers, and, and gleaners were just those who, who didn't really participate in the sowing, so they would go about picking, picking up the leftovers. But reapers had direct access to the harvest. There's a level of dominion that God's wanting to position this church to walk into, so if you guys, you've been so content with gleaning and God's saying, I've given you access to the harvest. You've been content with a little bit. Some of you just looking at me, but you know I'm talking to you. That you've been content with going through surface Christianity. And God's saying, I want you to walk in dominion and authority. You've just been going through the motions, but God's saying, I want you to walk in power and in the prophetic. God's saying, I didn't give you access to glean. I gave you access to reap. And if you sowed, you have access to reap. Stop gleaning when God's saying, I have so much more. Remember, remember when I first got in church, it was a little bit ago. I actually want to thank this church and the role that she played in, in God's call in my life. It was actually right over there at a rock conference that God spoke to me and called me to the ministry. But I remember when I first got in church, there was kind of this frustration that occurred because I was the only one and I was the first one. And, and I remember I would just weep and weep and weep and just talk to God about my family. God, you got to save my family. God. You got to save my family. You got to do something. And I remember, one, I remember once the Lord spoke to me, he finally told me, he said, listen, Marcus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a work and I'm going to save your family. Everybody say prophecy. Prophecy. That was, that was the prophecy. What happened was this, is that a little bit kind of went on and some time went on. And, 
It was the craziest thing. I couldn't really explain it then, but I feel like I understand it now. What you have to realize is that David went through two anointings. He was not anointed, only anointed by Samuel. But in 2 Samuel, David begins to receive a second anointing. He was first anointed in prophecy, but the second anointing was for fulfillment. We need to stop being comfortable with just a word of prophecy. Can I, tell you that, can I tell you that all prophecy just comes in seed form? But if you never go through a season of that prophecy dying, it'll never come into fulfillment. So God spoke this word to me, and he begins to tell me, he begins to tell me, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save your family. And I would remember uh, just certain times during worship or during service that I, would, that I would want to pray for my family. But then it would just be the craziest thing. It would be just, you know, as I was worshiping and praising God, it was almost as if I could see. It's almost as if I can't explain to you, but it was almost as if I could see my sister at the front worshiping God and clapping her hands and speaking in tongues. And then, you know, that would get me a little excited, so I start worshiping a little harder. And, and just as time went on, it would be almost as I look up, at the baptistry is right above there at my church, and it would be it's almost as if I could see my dad getting baptized in Jesus' name. And I just begin to worship God a little harder. And finally, I, just, I would just begin to thank God because it just felt so real that I would just begin to thank God. God, thank you for saving my sister. Thank you for baptizing my dad. Thank you for filling stepmom with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for delivering my mom. I would just begin to see these things. And I don't really know how to, I didn't know how to explain it then, but, but, but I feel like God's giving me some understanding now that, that, that I received the prophecy. I received the word. It was the first anointing uh, I received but in between the first anointing and the second anointing is the valley and the darkness that I was talking about uh, and I've talked about the valley and darkness to talk about the second anointing that God has spoken some things over this church and, and, and you guys have received the prophecy in seed form uh, but then you had to walk through some things you, you had to you had to begin to water that seed with your tears at night you had to begin to weep over that seed you had to begin to watch that seed die and begin to act as if it was barren and never come into fulfillment. But I want to remind somebody in this place tonight that there's always a second anointing. You might have to, have to cry over the seed and, and watch the seed get buried under the soil. But there's always a second anointing. Paul begins to tell Timothy in, in 1 Timothy, beginning to encourage a man who, who has been given so many things and who has been prophesied so many things and, and is now having to do a work that, that really is beyond his reach and really beyond what he's capable of. And, and Paul begins to admonish Timothy. And he begins to tell him, he says, I, I want you to make, I want you to wage a good warfare with the promises it doesn't say, I want you to wage a good warfare for the promises. It says, I want you to wage a good warfare with the promises. There's a difference. Because a lot of times we're fighting for something that God's already given us. But he said, I want you to wage a good warfare with the prophecies or with the promises. And what he was wanting Timothy to do is, is he understood that, Timothy, there was a first prophecy that you received. There was a first anointing that you received. But there's a second anointing on the way that will allow you to pull the fulfillment 
of that prophecy out of your future and allow it to be active into your present. And God said to Paul to tell Timothy, I want you to begin to war with the prophecies. <laughs> and that's what was going on when I really didn't understand it, but I, I was worshiping God. I was doing my little thing, and, and I, I was seeing it as, of, as though it was happening before my eyes. And what I was really doing is I was extracting the word that God already spoke, and I was pulling it into my present, and I was beginning to war with the prophecies. I was pulling down that first anointing and receiving the second. Can I tell you some of you that have prophecies uh, that your backslidden kids uh, are coming home uh, and God's going to give you a financial breakthrough uh, and we're finally going to get the place uh, that God wants us to have. Uh, you've been trying to fight for the promise. God's saying it's time to shift uh, your way of spiritual warfare. Uh, teach my hands how to war, Holy Ghost, uh, and teach me to war with the prophecy. I don't see it right now, uh, but I can pull it down uh, into my press. <laughs> I, I want you all to stand all across the building. I want you all to stand all across the building. I want you to realize the person that you're standing next to, I want you to touch him. Just poke him a little bit. You know what you're feeling right there? That's, that's, that's flesh. Some of us have a little more than others, but that's flesh. Amen. You know what flesh is made out of? It's just, it's really just dirt and water. God said he, he made man out of the dust of the ground. A lot of mist to come up from the ground and made man out of the dust of the ground. That's it's really it's really a garden that you're touching. It's it's really it's really it's really a forest that you're handling right now because there's been some seeds that have been planted in the person that's next to you. There's been some promises and some prophecies that have been put in the person next to you. There's been some things that has to die in the person next to you. But what God's getting ready to do in this building is God is about to resurrect every Lazarus that's inside of you. You're not hearing me, but God wants to right now in the prophetic speak to every backslidden child that God told you would come back home. I wish somebody would believe me in faith that God's ready to pull every family that's been walking through hell and high water and don't know where to turn or what to do. God's ready to begin to resurrect every seed that's been planted inside of you. It's not dead. It's just been buried for a purpose. Lift your hands all across the building. We're going to pray in a few moments, but I just feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Lift your hands and just begin to let God know. Some of you, you've given up on some prophecies. You've given up on some things, but God's saying it's time to let it breathe again. It's time to let it breathe again. It's time to let that backslidden child breathe again. I don't know why I keep on coming back to that. But there's a mother who's been praying over your kids over and over and over. And you think that they're dead. But God's saying it's time to breathe life. Every seed that's in your spiritual womb, I command it to be active right now. Every barren thing, I command it to be active. 
in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus they might seem dead but God's about to resurrect all across the building if the Lord's spoken to you about something the Lord's spoken to you about something, a prophecy. If God's given you a promise that you haven't come to, that you haven't seen come to fulfillment, I want you to make your way to the front. There's some couples that need to come down together. There's some families that need to come down together. I want you to come down praying. I want you to come down praying. power of the Holy Ghost is in this place. The, the quickening spirit of God is in this place. He's trying, to, he's trying to quicken back to life some things that you thought are dead. Things that you've forgotten about. You don't even remember to pray about them, but God spoke them to your spiritual womb years ago. I'm telling you, this church is about to exit the season of darkness. This church is about to exit the season of the valley. As you make your way forward, I just want you to lift your hands and begin to pray. I just want you to lift your hands and begin to pray. What are the things that God talked to you about? What did God tell you? What did God put in you that you think is dead? And God's saying, it's time to exit the valley. There was purpose in the darkness. And it's to bring life. Come on, come on. You're praying cute because you don't want to dig deep enough to find that seed. You're praying cute because you don't want to dig deep enough to dig deep enough to find that disappointment. But God didn't disappoint you. God didn't leave you. He just buried what he gave you so it would bear forth fruit. Come on, church, let's just push a little further. I want you to dig a little deeper. I want you to dig a little deeper. God's about to bring that second anointing. God's about to bring that second oil. What did God speak to you and your family? What did God speak to your ministry? What did God speak to this church? What revival did God say you would have? What prophecy did God try to birth through you? It's not dead. It's just been buried. It's not dead. It's just been planted. But God's about to bring it back to life. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit of doubt and fear that won't let you step out to believe what God told you he would do, to believe for the miracle God told you he would give you, to believe for the ministry God prophesied over you, to believe what God said he would do to your family. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, musicians, you can make your way up here. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I want you to grab the hand of the person that's next to you. I want you to grab the hand of the person that's next to you.
God's not done moving in this place. There's a depth that's in this place. I just want you to begin to reach down. I just want you to begin to reach down and allow that, allow that voice that's trying to cry out, that voice of hunger, to begin to express itself. Come on. In the name of Jesus. I don't want you to look at me. I want you to close your eyes and focus your mind on God and begin to dig deep into your spirit and find that seed that you've given up on. Find that prophecy that you've let go and realize that the valley was to allow fruit to be birthed through the process. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can I tell you, we're not about to enter just a couple of weeks of revival. God's shifting this church into a season of harvest, into a season of revival. You're not just about to have peace in your minds. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. You're not just going to have peace in your mind just for a day or two. But God's about to shift you into a season of peace. You've walked through the valley but God's bringing light into every dark place into every barren place it was the valley that made you who you are so you can sustain the harvest it was the valley that put in you what you needed so you can sustain the harvest more thing and I'm going to let you go. We're just going to do one more thing and the Holy Ghost is going to have its way in this place. That promise that you're thinking of right now whether it be a person, a place or a thing, that promise that you're thinking of right now. In just a moment we're going to lift our voice and begin to shroud unto God. We're not going to begin to war for the promise but we're going to begin to war with the promise. We're going to begin to act as if God is doing it right now. As if God's refilling that backslider with the Holy Ghost right now. As if God is loosing the miracle in your body right now. All across the building. I want you to lift your hands. All across the building, lift your hands. Come on, I want you to bring that promise to the forefront of your mind. He's not going to do it. I want you to pull it down. I want you to pull it down as if God did it right now. As if God's touching your body right now. As if God's healing you right When I pray this word of faith, I want you to give God the loudest shout of victory that you can possibly give. And I want you to begin to rejoice as if God is working in the midst. I want you to begin to pull down every prophecy and promise that he's made you. Are you ready? Are you ready? By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I lose every prophecy and promise to come into fulfillment right now. I bind every spirit of doubt and fear, but I lose your people to war with, to war with, 
to war with the promises all across the building lift your voice and shout hallelujah and things that you were no longer able to believe God for God has reignited a faith in you that says it's about to break forth it's coming forth you're coming out of that valley you're coming out of that darkness you're coming out from underneath that shadow that you might fellowship with the one who cast it what a power what an anointing what a word what a prophecy we receive it in Jesus name amen the Lord didn't only preach to us as individuals. He preached to the church as a whole. He preached to us as a whole. And I believe God, he is, he is about to break us forth like we have never, ever seen. Not only with a reaping and, and, and revival and a harvest, but the promises that have been given to us, we're going to see them come to pass soon. I wonder if one more time, you can send up a praise of thank you. Can you do that? Can you send up a thank you? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let it rise up. Let it rise up. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you, God. We magnify you, Lord. Woo! My, my, my. I want you to shout, something's alive. Shout, something's alive. Woo! My Lord have mercy. <laughs> glory! Glory, glory, glory. My, my, my. I'm glad I made it to the house of God on a stormy Wednesday night to come to hear the word of the Lord. What a word. What a word. God bless you. I love you. Everybody say revival. So let's be here on Sunday. Bring somebody with you. Come back expecting. Be on the prayer line at 6.30 in the morning. Let's pray. Again at noon and at night. 9.30. God bless you. Love you.